and welcome to our history podcast. Today we're going to look at the Solway Martyrs, or sometimes they're known as the Wigtown Martyrs. The story of the two Margarets, two women who gave their lives for Christ in 1685. The hottest period of persecution of Christians in a century of fierce persecution. Before we come to the story of the two Margarets, let's think of what was happening over in the north of Ireland. The ascension of James II to the throne was the catalyst for a number of murderous rebellions among the Roman Catholic population. Protestants were attacked. A battle occurred at Enniskillen and forces loyal to James besieged the walled city of Londonderry. A Presbyterian minister, the Reverend James Gordon, called for the gates of the city to be shut against the king's troops. And despite the traitorous actions of some of the city's leading men, thirteen valiant apprentice boys slammed the city's gates closed in the face of the enemy. Despite terrible deprivations, Londonderry held out under the siege until the ship, the Mountjoy, broke the boom, which the king's troops had placed across the river Foyle thus bringing much-needed relief. But what's happening over in Scotland, where the persecution against the Covenanters is still raging? Let's find out in this episode. I'm Bob McAvoy. This is the Semper Reformata Podcast. It's 1685, and in Scotland, soldiers were empowered by law to shoot without trial anyone suspected of covenanting activity. Women, on the other hand, were to be drowned, simply on suspicion of being a Presbyterian or dissenter. Two women suffered this fate at Wigtown in Galloway. Their names were Margaret McLaughlin and Margaret Wilson and their martyrdom was one of the saddest incidents recorded during the killing times. Margaret McLaughlin was actually named Margaret Milligan or Milliken. McLaughlin was her maiden name. She had been married to a Mr John Milliken, a carpenter, who must also have been of Presbyterian principles, for it is recorded that for many years he had a daily fine to pay to the authorities. He had been imprisoned and he was required to garrison soldiers at his home at various times. At the time of Margaret's martyrdom, Milliken was dead, and Margaret, aged about 63 years, was a widow. The Kirk Session minutes of Kirkinner record that she was a woman of known integrity and piety from her youth. Margaret Wilson, on the other hand, was a woman of just 18 years. Her father was a rich farmer who worked land some miles northwest of Newton Stewart. Her parents were conformists who attended the services of the curates. But Margaret and her sister Agnes and brother Thomas refused to attend the local parish church and worship with the psalm singers in the hills. The authorities noticed their absence from the church and Gilbert Wilson, the father, was ordered to have nothing to do with his own children. Now because of this, the Wilson children lived among the hills and the moors. 
The authorities were enraged at the Wilson children's disobedience and the farm was frequently searched for them. Gilbert Wilson, throughout his lifetime, paid so many fines levied because of his children's beliefs that he died in poverty, having lost his farm and all his worldly goods. Both Margaret Wilson and Margaret McLaughlin, along with Agnes Wilson and some others, were reported to the authorities for being disorderly by their respective curates. This charge was frequently levied against those who refused to attend their services. Margaret McLaughlin was arrested while at prayer and transferred from one prison to another until finally appearing before court at Wigtown. It is recorded that she was given neither food nor heat nor light to read her Bible until the day of her trial. Margaret and her sister Agnes had been arrested after an act of treachery by a man they thought was a friend. They had spent a few hours in the company of one Patrick Stewart and at some point in the meeting he asked them to drink a toast to the king. The girls declined his offer, declaring that to do so would be an action without scriptural warrant. Realising that they were in danger, the girls fled away from his home. But Stuart now knew that they were Presbyterians and reported their whereabouts to the local garrison. Both girls were arrested and thrown into the thieves' hole, a dark dungeon in Wigtown, before being taken to the local prison where Margaret McLaughlin was already incarcerated. The Justiciary Commission sat in Wigtown on the 13th of April 1685 and the three women were brought before the court, one Robert Grigson of Lag, a relentless persecutor of the Presbyterians, dominated the bench. A fourth woman appeared before the court. She was 20-year-old Margaret Maxwell, another disorderly person who had failed to attend the curate's services. This woman's misdemeanours were considered to be less damning than those of the others, so she was sentenced to be publicly flogged for three days and to be placed in the stocks for one hour each day. The punishment was carried out, but the people of Wigtown closed their doors and windows while the young woman was stripped and flogged. Patrick Walker spoke to this girl when she was an old woman, and she testified that the hangman had been quite kind to her, had spared her as much embarrassment as possible even asking her if he might shorten her time in the stocks. But Maxwell refused his offer, saying that she was not ashamed to stand in such a place for Christ. The other three women were charged with being present at the battles at Bothwell Bridge and Ayr's Moss, charges that were almost certainly false, for the Wilson girls were actually far too young to have been at those battles. They were charged with attending conventicles and house meetings and being found guilty in all counts, the women were given the opportunity to swear the oath of abjuration. They refused. They then refused to kneel to receive the sentence and were forced to the floor by soldiers. Agnes Wilson was released on £100 bail to be paid by her father. Margaret Wilson and Margaret McLaughlin were both sentenced to death by drowning. Gilbert Wilson rode to Edinburgh to appeal for his daughter's release, but by the time he returned the sentence had already been carried out. Various other attempts were made to have the sentence overturned, 
some of the friends of Margaret McLaughlin appealed to the council on account of her age. On the 30th of April, the Privy Council in Edinburgh decreed that the court at Wigtown had overstepped the mark and ordered the sentences to be overturned, the executions cancelled, and a petition made to the King for remission. The authorities in Galloway defied the Edinburgh Council, knowing that it was highly unlikely that any reprisals would ever be carried out. On the very day after John Brown of Priest Hill, the so-called Christian carrier and friend of Sandy Peden, died at the hands of Claver House, the two women were tied to stakes in the sea near Wigtown. The older of the two, having refused to pray for the king, was taken to the stake further right into the sea, so that Margaret Wilson could watch her die. McLaughlin died without further uttering a word. But as her body writhed in the sea in her final seconds, the soldiers asked Wilson what she thought now of her friend. Margaret Wilson replied, I see Christ wrestling there. Think ye that we are sufferers? No, it is Christ in us, for he sends not a warfare at their own charges. At this one of the soldiers drew a blade and slit McLaughlin's throat, bringing her agony to an end. Margaret Wilson was also bound to a stake. As the water rose around her, she began to sing Psalm 27 from verse 7. My sins and faults of youth do thy, O Lord, forget. After thy mercy think on me, and for thy goodness great. God good and upright is, the way he'll sinners show, the making judgment he will guide and make his path to know. The whole paths of the Lord are truth and mercy sure to those that do his covenant keep and testimonies pure. Following the psalm, she read aloud from Romans chapter 8, read right to the very end of the chapter, where Paul declares that neither life nor death can separate us from the love of Christ. A friend on the shore shouted out to her, Margaret, say God save the king. Margaret replied, God save him if he will, for it is his salvation that I do desire. Someone then shouted to the soldiers that she had said it and cried for her release. Grierson came forward and said that her words were not enough. A major went into the water and asked her whether she was willing to take the oath and oath of allegiance to the king. Margaret refused, saying, No, no, no sinful oaths for me. I am one of Christ's children. Let me go. They thrust her head cruelly below the waters, and again the soldier went forward to slit her throat, shouting at her to take one last drink, for soon she would be with the crabs.
when the tide receded. The corpses of the two women were removed from the stakes and buried under cover of darkness in the kirkyard at Wigtown, where there stands a memorial stone to their memory to this very day. Nothing more is known of the fate of Agnes Wilson. Her father Gilbert was given no peace by the authorities until he died a broken and a penniless man. Thomas Wilson, Gilbert's son, survived the killing times and became a soldier in the army of William of Orange. On discharge he returned to Scotland and through hard work and dedication was able to buy back his late father's farm. His name is in the records as an elder in the Kirk at Penningham. Romans chapter 8 and verse 34 Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. If you've enjoyed this short history podcast, listen for more. You'll find us on the podcast app on your mobile device. Search for the Semper Reformata podcast. Subscribe and give us a five-star rating. That really helps to publicize the podcast and get new listeners. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.